So I have always loved eating a good ear of corn on the cob, and I know a lot of people do around here. Um, growing up, we were on vacation, and we were always on vacation during corn season. And so I don't know if those of you around here know it, but we used to go and pick Silver Queen corn. Great big long ears of really white, kind of pearly white corn. It's fantastic. You could eat a whole meal of corn, and that's a lot of corn, usually. Uh, butter and sugar, and we got down the years, we found stuff called bodacious corn. Uh, a wonderful sweet corn. And so I always have determined in my mind in the beginning of the season when springtime comes up, I'm going to plant corn in my garden. Now, many times, it does not pan out for me. I learned how to plant it not in rows, but kind of in bunches so that it cross-pollinates and does all the things it should do. And even with all the right things in place, it doesn't always come out. But when you finally do get an ear of corn or a bunch of ears of corn on your own stalks from your own garden, and you go out there and pick them and take them off, they taste wonderful. That's just one of those things. The very first meal where you go and pick them all off, it's the very best corn that you have, as fresh as you can get from the garden, right to the pot, right to your plate, as fast as you can do, and it tastes wonderful. You've been watching all season. You put those seeds in the ground after you prepared the ground. And you watch, and that corn just finally pops up. It's that big, and you watch it grow and grow and grow. And, of course, you wait for the 4th of July, and you say, is it high enough? Is it high as my knees? Right? Uh, and then you keep watching and watching, and you grow those nice big corn stalks. Finally, that first fruit comes out of that corn stalk, and it's wonderful. So the first fruit is an idea that we need to talk about a little bit, and we're going to first fruit is something that comes out of the Old Testament. Originally, Moses gave some laws to the people about the first fruit, and we're going to touch on that today. Exodus chapter 22, we've got a few places to go in the Bible today to tie all this together, but the first fruit is in Exodus chapter 22, and we'll see what that means, and hopefully we'll open up our minds to a little bit more as we move along through this lesson here. Chapter 22 of Exodus, verse number 29 and 30. Thou shalt not delay to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep. Seven days it shall be with its, his dam, and on the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. So the idea of the first fruits is simply this. Anything producing new life, producing new life, with that producing of new life, the production of new life, you are to give it to God. You are to give it 
to God. And that is back to God because he was the producer of that new life. He started the process. He did it. It's all under his power where this first fruits come up. Okay? And you give back to God because it was all within his power to create this new life. And the new life is what's important as we look at that first fruits. Now, we have been doing a series on resurrection. Okay? And today we are going to look at the resurrection of Christ. Christ's resurrection. We have been building up to this point. Okay? We have been working through and we've gotten to this, uh, this high point, this resurrection of Christ. We started out and we saw that death was introduced to mankind. Okay? And way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned and brought death into mankind. And when they brought death into mankind, it was only just the next generation that murder happened. All right, Just within their very first moments, practically, after they did it, uh, that Cain killed Abel. And from that point, when death came about... There needed to be uh, some change in that, all right? There needed to be a reversal of that, otherwise we'd be in big trouble. Now, I want you to look and think about this as God brought in uh, creation, okay? He brought in creation through Adam... He spread to every mankind death. And with death comes no hope. All right? That's the way Adam did. All through the sin of one person, Adam, brings about death and sin to all mankind. Okay? It's an important thing to know. So death immediately swallows up the whole human race once Adam sins. Now, we need to skip along to 1 Corinthians because in order to understand this a little more deeply, we've got to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Because this isn't where it ends. This is the beginning. All right? So, chapter number 15, verse number 21. The book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse number 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. All right? So, as God created mankind... Adam brought about sin through his sin, his choices. Death is spread to all mankind. And then God says, I'm going to change this. I'm going to stop this. All right? And through Christ, he gives the opportunity for life. All right? Kind of like a prism. 
where light shines into a prism and the prism spreads that light and shines it out into all the different colors, okay? This is where all across humankind, death and no hope came into through Adam. And now, through Christ's death, he captures and brings an opportunity for anyone who will believe. If you will believe in Christ, you have the opportunity for life and hope. Okay? And so it says in those verses, by one man came death to the human race, and by one man, that is Christ, came life. All right? Those are the introduction of God's power over death came through Christ's resurrection. And how this all happened was through the resurrection of Christ. That moment in which we then had a new opportunity came along. All right? So through Jesus, it's now changed. Jesus himself dies and is raised again. All right? So let's go to John because we need to know a little bit more about what happens, how he is raised again, and what's happening. John chapter number 2. We're going to give you a little workout today in your Bible. The death and resurrection of Christ is a rich topic. You can't cover it all in a few minutes on a Sunday morning. You could spend your entire life looking into the things and the mysteries wrapped around it. And there are many mysteries still wrapped around it. But we're going to focus kind of on how this series has been unfolding. We're going to be looking at that and looking how the resurrection of Christ fits into the series that we've been looking at. But first let's look and see about Jesus and his resurrection. John chapter 2, verse number 18. And this is amongst the leaders in the temple... Jesus is in the temple, and he's talking uh, to the Jews. Verse number 18, chapter 2. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, that is Jesus, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that, the, that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, Wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So Jesus gives a, an answer back and says, This temple, he's standing in the midst of it, of course, in the, the midst of the physical temple, he says, this temple, in, it'll be knocked down, and in three days, I'm going to raise it up. <coughs> okay? Now, what they didn't understand, the Jews around him, was he was talking about his own body, his own resurrection. And what we gain from that is we can see that Jesus, on his own power, Raised himself. 
from the dead. On his own power. We've looked at the series as each step goes through from history. We've seen how Jesus raises others from the dead. We've seen how prophets in the Old Testament raise others from the dead, but it's all through God's power, and Jesus says, I am going to raise myself. Okay? So it is unique by that first marker, is the resurrection of Jesus is on his own power. All right? That's something we have to see is in three days he'd be risen again on his own power. All right. Now, I told you I was going to give you a workout. Now, let's go to Acts. As we weave together some of these things, the book of Acts, chapter number two, we're going to look at an explanation that Peter gives during one of his famous sermons, Acts chapter number two, in helping us understand about the resurrection of Christ. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 23. Him, that is Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. All right. So here we have God. God raised Jesus from the dead. And I just told you two seconds ago that Jesus raised himself from the dead. But there is not a contradiction in that because Jesus, the son, God, the son, God, the father, God, the Holy Spirit. God is a God of unity. OK, and they all parts of the Trinity agree on the things they do. OK. They do it in and un- as one being. Okay? But Jesus did raise himself from the dead. And God did raise himself, or God raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? That's not a contradiction. It is just an understanding of how God works okay? in unity amongst himself. All right. So here he is. He was put in to bondage, the bondage of death, it says there, put into the bondage of death, and it could not hold him. He was put in to the bands of death. They put him in chains. They put him in there and said, there, that's what death does. It knocks you down. It chains you up. And pretty soon, Jesus says, well, that's not going to hold me. And he has the power over death. Now, we've seen that, right, through the resurrection, that God has power over death. We saw it back in the Old Testament where the the prophets raised these children from the dead. We saw it where God had power and they threw the dead guy into the tomb and he hit the bones of the prophet and stood up. That's God's power. It does not hold him. He's not bound by death. But he willingly gave himself up to that death. And then when he said, go ahead and put me in chains. Go ahead. Bind me as well as you can, death. Do it. And when they did it, he just blows it all apart. 
because he's got the power over all of it. All right, let's continue in that. For David, verse 25, for David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou hast made me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. So let's go back, he says, and let's look at David. David said... There was this one coming, this one coming, a holy one, that was going to not be bound by death, all right? David talked about him, and people often mistaked it as David himself, and Peter says, no, 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 David's dead. Here's his tomb right amongst us. We've got someone else among us that is quite alive. It is from David's seed that comes this holy one, and this is Jesus that we're talking about. Let's pick up the story. Um, Verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his thrones. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this, and you now see in, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, But he said unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes a footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he is saying, Jesus is the one. Jesus is raised from the dead. He's the one that brought about this resurrection. Because nothing could hold him. No bondage could hold him. And God says, I'm not going to let him sit there and see corruption. I'm going to bring him up and out. And then the most amazing things begin to happen. When Jesus breaks that bond of death, the most amazing things begin to happen. All the promises are fulfilled. And then we need to go back to 1 Corinthians to see what is really going on behind the scenes. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I told you I'd make you work a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because this is the core of what we really believe. Jesus came along as the plan of God to be Killed and raised again, and all of God's plan and all of God's power would bring about something that no man could bring about. All right? And in verse 15, or chapter 15 of 
1 Corinthians, we're going to start with verse number 12. Chapter 15, verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom you raise not up, if so be that dead, the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. All right? So here is the key of what happened. We watched as... The progression through the prophets as God shows the power that he has over resurrection and Jesus personally raises people from the dead. But here is something unique. And we said Jesus' resurrection is unique in this lineup. It's not the same as all the other resurrections we've seen before. There's something very different about it. And through it, we have hope. We have a chance because without it, we're still in our sins. We, st- we have no chance of being forgiven if Jesus was not raised from the dead. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, then there is no hope left in this life and you live a life in vain. So it is the key, the crux of what we believe and this is why it is so important to us. Because if, there's, if this didn't happen in history, we might as well not be here. We might as well go out and Paul says, just go out and party for the rest of your life. Because it makes no difference. Spend up your life and use it up however you want to. Because it makes no difference because eternity doesn't even exist. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead. So this one is unique. All right. This is a unique one in that not only did Jesus raise from his own power, but a great thing happened through Jesus when he was raised from the dead. Now let's continue on verse number 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. So he is risen from the dead. And if we believe that, here's what's next to come. And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. All right, now we get down to what really makes it unique. All right. Way back in the beginning of this, before we laid out what happened, we talked about corn, right? The first fruits, when you give your first part of what you have to God, 
That first part of your garden, you give that very best to God. Why? We did it because the first fruits means it's producing new life. That new life that's there, you're giving of the very best to God, and that's what a first fruit is. So here is Jesus, and it says he's the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. Now this had been confusing to me for a long time because he's not the first one to be raised from the dead. There were several. We've gone through examples in in history. We've gone through other ones, and we've said this one was raised from the dead. The son of the widow at Nain was raised from the dead. And then, of course, Lazarus was raised from the dead. But it's not the uniqueness of just being resurrected. There's something else that happened with Christ's resurrection that makes him the first producing new life. What happened to all of those other people in the past that were raised from the dead? They died again. All right? They died again. The son of the widow of Nain, Jesus took him and raised him up, and yes, he came alive, and he lived his life until he got old or sick, or whatever. We don't know anything more. And he died again. Lazarus came back from four days in heaven. What a disappointment. Come back to earth after four days in heaven, right? But he lived his life, and he died again. All right? And this is what is unique about Jesus. That's why he's the first fruit of this whole crop, right? This whole crop, he's the very first one that's coming out of it that will not die again. And that's exciting that he's the first of a crop. That's what's happening. It's exciting because he's the first one, but that means there's more to the story. There's more to the story. So if we look at Revelation... Just to touch on this in Revelation chapter 1, we say, well, how do we know that Jesus didn't die again? Because we're going to look and see in his own words what he says. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. All right, so this is John. And he is in front of Jesus himself. And he said, or, and he laid his right hand on me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first, I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Jesus himself said, I will never die again. That's the power in which God says, I I let myself be bound up by death. I let myself do it because of the hope that I could give to these people. 
because I could allow the human race and anyone that would believe to come to me. I let myself be bound up. I was the first one in this crop, but this crop, I'm going to be the first fruits. I'm coming out of, the, uh, out of this crop, but I am the one that's going to produce this whole new life. All right? It's brand new, and it's a new way to be resurrected, never to die again. I am alive forevermore. And that's the exciting part that we begin to see. Jesus was dead, and now he's alive forevermore. And he not only has that, he says, I've got the keys to hell and death. Now, where I work, I'm in charge of making keys. Lots and lots of keys. Everybody wants keys. And I go and I stamp it out. I've got codes and all that. And I... I'm the only one that knows the codes, and they're all written down, so I can give people the right keys to get in the right rooms. It's one thing I'm responsible for. And I've got a great big ring of keys that I've got to carry around. Just pearls my pants down, all it ever does, but so heavy. <laughs> kind of annoying. But I have to have them all to be able to carry them around to get in the right rooms. Because you don't have access. You're just like everybody else. The people walking off the street don't have access. You've got to get the key to do it. Jesus is the only one with access to say, I've got the keys for hell and death. I can shut it down. I can lock them up. Anything that when I bound, got bound by that death, I can open it up. And I can open it up for anybody I want. So that's the exciting part. That's what makes this unique is that he was the first fruits of this crop. And with the first fruits, there's more to come who will never die again. You and I who believe will never die again if we will believe in God. If we will see what his great power is. God's power brings a great blessing to our life. And Jesus is the first of that where he's the very first thing that comes out of that crop of new resurrections. All new. Things are changed now. All new than any of the other resurrections. He's the first fruit. He's got great things to come. Exciting things for you and me in the future. Exciting things in that death now more, no more holds any wave over us for eternity. And he was the first one that broke that all and says, I got the keys. Don't worry. I can take you all wherever I want. I can unlock all these things all the way through. And it is going to be fantastic, the rest of the series, and how we see that things affect us and begin to affect other humans and we're not going to talk about them this week we're going to talk about them next time so (laughs) thank you very much have a good day